0: pray our father and our god we just uh, thank you this morning for our opportunity to be here together and to lift up our voices of praise to you and to remind all of us remind us of your faithfulness and your greatness lord and to remind ourselves of who you are and what we believe that god is our father and christ is our savior and the holy spirit moves into our lives to change us. And, oh, God, we thank you for the, the, the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he does for us. And we thank you for this great family of God that we can gather together this morning and, and hear from your word. And so, Lord, um, we, we turn our attention. We were in prayer last week, and we're turning our attention to the vit- vital importance of your word to us. Oh, God, I pray that we would... Um, uh, pay attention to your voice and listen to you and recognize the great treasure it is to hear from our God so Lord we, we give this all over to you give this service to you we ask father that you speak to us and that we would be have listening hearts listening ears Lord respond and willingly receive what you have for us for I ask this in Jesus name and for his sake amen well our text today is first Samuel chapter 3 and there's an arresting comment right at the very beginning of of the text that really captivates our attention in a very distressing way really it says in those days the word of the Lord was rare and then it goes on to say there was not there were not many visions In other words the presence of God was not demonstrated often the voice of the Lord in these days had been muted And this situation that we find here is explained really earlier in the text, earlier in chapter two really, because this situation generally begins, in fact, as you track the scriptures from from the early part right through to the end, this situation begins when those who represent God or are supposed to represent God allow his voice to grow faint in their own lives. Or to be obscured by other affections or other noises. And so um, when we go hunting for why was God's word rare in those days, we have only to look back a little bit further, a little uh, before, in chapter 2, verse 12, and we read this: Eli, Eli's sons, Eli was the priest of Israel. Eli's sons, who were also serving as priests. Representing God to the people, it says they had no regard for the Lord. And, or, or in fact, if you took that no regard, it could be translated literally, did not know the Lord. So those who were commissioned to represent the people to God as priests did not know God themselves. And uh, another familiar text, of course, in the Scriptures to most of you, Proverbs 29, verse 18, although there's a variety of ways it's translated, but, and you might know it a different way, but it says here, it says in that text, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. You may know it by the King James Version, where there is no vision, the people perish. But better translated, it is literally... Where there is no revelation, in other words, where God's word is not being proclaimed or presented or or represented truthfully, the people will cast off restraint. We, We learned that in the days of Samuel, just before Samuel was born, in the days of the judges, there was a description of the lay of the land in those days, the way things were socially and ethically. It says in those days, Judges 21, 25, Israel had no king, everyone did as he saw fit. So it was basically chaotic in terms of morality. And it was chaotic in terms of morality because first and foremost, it was chaotic in the place or in the the setting that was supposed to be representing the living God, the temple, the priests. Now, um, that was then, in those days. That's the operative title or the operative description. But as I was studying this and thinking about this more, about uh, bringing it to your attention, I realized that the descriptions that are going on here were not really limited to the, in those days, but I thought, you know, there's a lot of things that are similar in our days, in these days. And I happened to cr- upon two recent newspaper articles, one from the Toronto Star and one from the National Post. Now, I, I um, looked at both of these electronically and printed them out, but they highlight the very thing that I think was happening in the time of samuel in the time of samuel you had the religious leaders abandoning their knowledge of god you had following that the judges the people casting off restraint doing whatever they thought was good in their own eyes and i found two um, Examples, uh, both were sent to me by people in the congregation. By the way, any, any of you who want to be my research assistants, I'm all for it. Send away, send me stuff, because it's really helpful. And so two different people sent me stuff, and it's really helpful. And, and they are examples of where the, those who are supposed to be representing God are not and as a result, our society is casting off restraint, casting off moral restraint. The first is from the Toronto Star, September 8th, 2016. I, I want to, I'll, I'll, preserve the, I'll preserve all of the details because we publicly go online here and I don't want to, uh, I'm just going to tell you the details and I'm going to refrain from naming any, anything. But suffice it to say that most of us here have noticed for some time that mainline, some of the mainline Protestant churches have been muzzling the voice of God. Would we, we know this. They don't need to be named because they have been cherry-picking theology. And what that basically means is we have watched as some of the mainline denominations have taken god's word and they've selected things that they find convenient and comfortable and they like and they have abandoned things that they don't like or find inconvenient or too sacrificial or whatever when you cherry pick preferred theology the fruit from planting that tree will ultimately distort the reality of God. <clears throat> and in this situation, in the Toronto Star is reported that there is a certain pastor who three years ago, in a church in, uh, who leads a church in Scarborough, who three years ago declared herself an atheist. So you have a pastor whose responsibility it is to represent the truth about God declaring three years ago that she doesn't even believe there is a God. Now, for three years, she has remained the pastor of this church, of this denomination. Until recently, they decided to hold a conference to determine her suitability for ministry. After much, this is how the star writes it, after prayer and much discussion, the 23-person committee voted 19 to 4 in favor of defrocking or removing the credentials of this pastor from leading the church. Now, the first thing that occurred to me was, I don't even need to pray about this. But prayer's good. The second thing that occurred to me is the vote was 19 to 4. Who are these four people who think that a pastor who doesn't even believe there is a God should remain a pastor. Such is the state of affairs in a mainline Protestant denomination. Now, this individual who is now at risk of being defrocked and losing her credentials states this and is quoted in the Toronto Star. My sadness, she writes, is for, for the many clergy and members and individuals currently studying for leadership in the denomination she's a part of, who are now also being told that they need to keep quiet about their true beliefs or risk censor. But get this, she goes on to say this. The majority report said nothing about ethos and spoke exclusively to theological belief. A very sad day for the church, she writes. Are you kidding me? She states that they, they centered their thinking on theological belief and she believes that's a very sad day for the church. Now, such is the state of affairs. We are only about theological belief. Without theological belief, a church isn't a church. Without the theos, without the doctrine of God and the truth about God and relating to the true God, church has no reason to exist. So this is the state of affairs in a mainline denomination, which I want to submit to you is just the beginning the tip of the iceberg now as a result of that we found in the scriptures that when the priest had no regard for God or did not know God when the priest did not know God all kinds of anarchy broke forth in the people the following article from the National Post brings a ultimately a censor to the pluralism we enjoy in the country of Canada. Now pluralism simply means that for some time we have been entertaining the idea that in Canada you can have the freedom to believe whatever you want to believe and we should tolerate one another. So we, we, we recognize that we're, we're asked to, to, to live in a community and one of the great values apparently of Canada is its Tolerance until it comes to Christianity. In the National Post, there's a, bio, uh, a professor of bioethics at Queen's University who co-authored a, a paper with a professor of bioethics at Oxford University, Queen's University in Kingston, uh, with respect to the issues of abortion, euthanasia, and other medical uh, bioethics um, with respect to uh, the profession of uh, being a doctor, a physician. And this bioethic uh, professor, Queen's and Oxford, have determined that doctors to continue to practice medicine in Canada should be required. To reject their own integrity and, I quote, set aside their own moral values in order to continue to practice medicine in Canada. That patient's interests should come before a doctor's integrity or the moral values of a doctor. Now, what does that mean? That means the end of pluralism. It means you're no longer free to believe what you are convicted to believe, but rather that you must follow a, a state-determined ethic and morality or risk the loss of your career. The, these, uh, both these professors go on to say that if doctors are unwilling to do that, they should, be, they should lose their, their uh, career, and that in medical schools, Prospective medical students should be questioned on their integrity and on their moral values to ensure that they are willing to abide by the state rules and set aside their own integrity and set aside their own moral values, or they should be rejected as candidates for medical profession training. Now, first they've gone after the lawyers and now they're going after the doctors and they're going after the teachers and every profession is falling. Why? Because the people who are supposed to be representing God, who are supposed to be representing the truth in our country, who are supposed to be those who speak the word of God, are muzzling God in favor of their own preferred beliefs, and ultimately, our country is moving in a state of moral chaos, just as it was in this day. So... We find ourselves in a situation where church abandons the truth about God, the academy will abandon the truth about God, and people will abandon the truth about God. So the question that we want to look at and deal with this morning is this. How important is it that we hear God's voice, God's rights to speak to us? How important is that? So if your Bibles are open, please, 1 Samuel chapter 3, I want to share four thoughts with you from this text this morning. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, Eli the priest. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Note that. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about His sons made themselves contemptible or blasphemed the Lord in in the Septuagint's translation, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. What a horrible judgment. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son... Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked? Or Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. And then Eli said, he is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Note that. And Samuel's word came to all of Israel. This is the word of God. So why is it important to hear God's voice? Well, the first is this. What I learned in this text is that the absence of God's voice signals the presence of of God's judgment in those days God stopped talking to his people we've already discussed the the reality of that there were no visuals of his presence in those days when God listen when God is marginalized by his people by those who should know him by those who are commissioned to tell others of him when God is marginalized by his people or traded for other affections or if he is ignored in favor of our sin, God first withdraws his presence. He withdraws his word. You can read this throughout the scriptures. In Romans 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 18 and following, one of the marks of the wrath of God coming upon a society is when God removes himself, when he removes his restraint. Eli's sons were wicked men. They did not know God. They were pretending to know God, pretending to represent Him, and they were treating the Lord's offerings with contempt. Now, there's interesting symbols here, interesting visuals that, that really grab our emotions. I don't know if you noticed them when you were reading, but if you, if you did, you'll notice that, that the first one is that Eli the priest, it says, his eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see. Now, we, we find out in a, a chapter or so that Eli was well into his 90s, so it's understandable that his eyes would become dim, but there's a, there's a suspense that the writer is building here for us about uh, the whole danger of the fact that God was withdrawing his presence, and he and gives us this visual emotionally, the priest couldn't even see. The priest couldn't even hear, couldn't even distinguish the, wo- the, the voice of God. And then we, we're, we're, as if that isn't suspenseful enough, it says the lamp of God had not yet gone out. But we're left with the impression, but maybe it will go out. Maybe the light of God is just flickering and it's about to go out. Now, uh, these, are, these are symbols. These are visuals. Make no mistake about it. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. It's a very practical reality. Uh, in the in the holy place in the ancient temple was the the lamp of God. Um, y- you've seen it. It's it's called the menorah. It's a, it's the, the seven leafed. Uh, you, you know, I, I actually I got one in my office. I should have brought it out here, but I didn't. I forgot to. And and you you know what they look like, right? Does it, you know what they look like. Anyway, there's a lamp, and and uh, it would have seven reservoirs on it, and they would fill that with oil each night and they would light that on fire because the holy place could never be in darkness ever because it was a symbol of god's presence and god is light and god brings light to the darkness and the knowledge of god and the truth about god lights the pathway of people and so What we really learn in a practical sense is that when God was calling Samuel, it was nearly the morning because the light had nearly gone out. That's the practical reality, but the the metaphorical reality is that the lamp of God in the time of Israel at that time, the light of God was barely hanging on, and God calls Samuel on purpose to a mission. Now, these priests of of Israel were were contemptible in every way. They were bullying the people about the sacrifices. In verse 16 of chapter 2, when someone would come along and say to challenge them with the word of God and say, you're practicing the things of God in the wrong way, they would just bully them. And and, um, they were, the whole sacrifice was but a a barbecue for them to fatten themselves up. They would would say to the people, no, hand it over now. Hand over the, the meat now. And if you don't, I'll take it by force. It also tells us that they were, uh, now Eli, verse 22, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. They were, they were uh, having sexual relationships with the wor- women, female worshipers who were coming to, the, to, to, to uh, worship the Lord. It was a horrible time. God had, had become just a job to them, or just a ritual or maybe their job was God. I mean, put yourself a little bit into this reality. And, and um, we're, we're told in the scriptures that God warns about times like this and, and what ultimately will happen. In the book of Amos, in chapter 8 and verses 11 to 12, uh, God warns about possible judgment if people will not represent him accurately. The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. The scriptures teach us that that the absence of God's voice signals the presence of God's judgment. And when a country like ours refuses to humble itself, refuses to acknowledge the truth about God, and when in particular the church of Jesus Christ, the people of God refuse to humble themselves and pray or turn from their wicked ways, God will not heal our land. It will become increasingly less and less aware of God and more and more chaotic. The change for our culture, the change for our country doesn't begin in, at Capitol Hill. It doesn't begin in Ottawa. It doesn't begin in Toronto. It doesn't begin with the people who don't know God. It first must first begin with the church of Jesus Christ that we might welcome his, his, his word. It says in the text, then the Lord called Samuel. The, the, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was lying in the temple uh, where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel. The greatest thing that can ever happen to you is that the Lord would call you into a relationship with Him. In fact, the whole scriptures from the beginning to end are an invitation by the living and true God who invites people to come into a relationship with Him, that He would call us. The second importance of the Lord's voice is this hearing God's voice is a gift of knowing the Lord. Faith comes by hearing the message and hearing the message by what the Word of Christ Romans chapter 10 verse 17 don't miss this faith our faith our belief in the living and true God comes by hearing the message the truth and hearing the message by the Word of Christ the scriptures both in the Old Testament and the New Testament in the Psalms and in book of Hebrews make this statement urging people today if you hear his voice what come on you know do not harden your heart the voice of the lord goes out throughout all the world calling people to himself samuel did not recognize the voice of the lord because he didn't know him can you imagine This young uh, man was being raised in the very epicenter of religion in Israel, and he's likely to have been about 12 years old, and he did not, it says there, he did not recognize the voice of the Lord because he did not know God. Eli hadn't even introduced Samuel to the Lord. Hearing requires knowing, and knowing involves hearing. uh, Jesus said, my sheep, what? What? Hear my voice. They listen to my... He, he takes it one step further. Not just here, because people can hear and walk away. My kids hear my voice. I'm not sure they're always listening to my voice. Except Jordan. He listens. He's the good child. <laughs> we'll have to screen that one out. But these... Jesus said, "My sheep listen to my voice." How do you know if you're? How do you know if you belong to Jesus Christ? You listen to His voice. John ten twenty seven, and so we have in this text the Lord came and stood there and called out, and and you have this this great um, uh, copy of what God has done throughout the. Uh, history of Israel, when he calls the great leaders to himself. Do you remember uh, when Abraham was uh, asked by God to go and sacrifice his son Isaac in, in uh, Genesis chapter 22, uh, and as he's about to plunge the knife into the son of the, his only son, the one he loved, as, as the picture of Calvary was presented to us, and, and it was there that God from heaven spoke forth and said, Abraham, Abraham, twice stop. And then at the burning bush, years later, as that uh, great call came to Moses, and out of the burning bush came this voice, the voice of God calling, Moses, Moses. And their response was, here I am, or here am I. And here we have The living God standing, his presence. There had not been many visions, it says. The word of the Lord had been rare, but here we have the living God standing now, calling to Samuel, 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 twice, he mentions his name in this great formula of the great leaders of God. Abraham, Moses, now Samuel. The gift of knowing the Lord is being presented here. Listen, our relationship with God begins with his gracious reach out to us, an invitation from him to come and have a a, a living relationship with the living God. Jesus himself says, come and follow me. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come all of you who are weary and burdened and I will what? Give you rest. In the Old Testament, there's the call out from Isaiah 55 come and, and taste the water, come and drink to the fullest. Come to me, God says. His, his invitation goes out to people come to me and, and come into the family, to, to as many as received him, to those who believed on him. He gave what? The right to be called the children of God. God is not first about a study. He's not first about information or ritual religion. God is first and foremost about a living, real, vibrant relationship with us. And the reason we love to hear the word of God is because His voice is a gift to us of knowing Him it, we, we learn who God is our heart is shaped into God's heart The more we know him and the more we talk to him in prayer and the more we listen to him through his word The more like him we become the more we hang out with God the more like him we become you know, that's true The more you hang out with somebody the more you become like them the more you talk like them The more you think like them the more you act like them the more you want like them and God is inviting us to hang out with Him. This is why, first and foremost, of all the messages that I want you, message that you want you to hear this morning, it is this: that in prayer and in God's Word, we are relating to the God of the universe. Our relationship is growing more and more vibrant. God reveals Himself through His Word to us. And through relationship, he is revealing himself to us. That's why in Revelation chapter 2, when Jesus is walking among the churches and he comes to the church of Ephesus, and he says, you know, you've got the orthodoxy thing down and you're, you're staving off wickedness, but you have lost your first love. And you're in danger of losing your lampstand. It takes right from the Old Testament. You're in danger of losing the presence of God as important as orthodoxy is, as important as it is that we know truth from false, Jesus Christ is first and foremost about our love for him and our relationship with him because in our relationship with him, he reveals to us the truth about himself and shapes us. It's word and prayer, the activities of relationship. Many of you out here are, are... our dads or mums, and you have kids or whatever and 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 you know about relationship or about a relationship or a lack thereof I don't know about you but when you know when I get a phone call from Texas I don't want to hear hey dad um, I want this I need that could you please take care of that goodbye that's not a relationship that's order-taking I, I've just become a catalog And frankly, a lot of our prayer time is spent, God, I want this. God, would you take care of that? God, uh, I don't like that. Could you give me that? Goodbye. See you tomorrow. Our, Our prayer is about relationship. It's about relating to him. The word of God is about relating to him. His claim on our lives comes through his word. That's a Samuel, Abraham, Moses, Samuel, all those who championed the truth about God responded to him, here am I. Then he says to Samuel, he says, I'm about to do something. Notice in verse 11. See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. The the third uh, reality about uh, the importance of hearing God's word is this. Everything, and I mean everything, everything moves forward from God's voice because it is true and certain. When God said, let there be light, There was light. God's word is the moral standard for every people, in every time, everywhere, in every circumstance. It transcends customs, and race, and creed, and countries, and borders. God's moral standard stands as the boundaries, the standard of every people. When he warns of consequences, they will happen if the warning is ignored. The tingling ears that are mentioned here, he says, I- I'm, about to st- I'm-, I'm about to pronounce a verdict. And when I pronounce a verdict, Samuel, it is going to happen. And he says, this verdict that I'm going to pronounce, which was judgment on the priesthood of Israel... Such a thing had never been seen. This was unbelievable. And I'm thinking, what's the tingling of the ears? Well, you know, when, you, when something becomes so massive, so unbelievable, so incredible, uh, so scary, the blood rushes to your ears and they just tingle. That's what he's talking about here. Everyone can keep doing whatever they think is right in their own eyes, but I'm telling you, Samuel, God says my word will stand and he he makes the point here that none of his words fall to the ground none of the words of the Lord it says in verse 19 the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of his words fall to the ground the grass withers and the flowers die, but the word of the Lord what stands forever why is the word of God important why is it important that we listen to God's voice God's rights to speak to us because everything moves forward from God's voice. Everything. And as head of the house, Eli, refused to restrain his sons and so God was forced to bring judgment because the culture and society itself was now running amok. You know, I told you last week that I don't like that phrase when people are making decisions, while I'm having peace, I have peace about it. There's several other phrases I don't like. I have peace about it or the majority are doing this or it just feels right. You know, if you should choose to come to me for counsel ever and you're bringing a statement to me and you're saying, I'm going to do this because it feels right or I'm going to do this because I've got peace about it or I'm going to do this because the majority are doing it, I'm going to say one thing to you. Yes, but what does God's Word say about it? Yes, but what does God's Word say about it? But what does God's Word, what does God say about it? Your peace is unreliable. What everybody else is doing is probably wrong. And because it just feels right, your feelings are a very bad barometer of truth. It feels right for, for me that the Bruins would win every hockey game, but it doesn't, but it doesn't feel right to you. But what does God say, Calvin? <laughs> Samuel, listen, we'll, we'll wrap this up real quickly. Samuel was in transition, so he lays down with this weighty revelation. He's got to go and tell a 90-plus-year-old priest. He's maybe 12 years old. He's heard from the Lord. He's got to go tell a 90-year-old priest that the priesthood is over. And now Samuel's going to be the man. So he lays down, and I'm sure he didn't fall asleep. He's moving from a timid intern to be a mighty prophet of Israel, delivering... On popular verdicts to Kings this is what's right. Re- to be people called to listen to the voice of God and then share it is all about courage the first test in Samuel's life would is would he be courageous enough to tell the priest the truth of what God said and God will test you on this As he moves you along on each assignment in life, the assignment will be, will you be willing to tell the truth in a small matter so that when he had to stand before King Saul and tell King Saul that God was done with him, would he be courageous enough to do that? Make no mistake about it. Why is God's voice important to us? Because we are transformed by the power of God in His words. It's God's Word that delivers to us our confidence and our courage. And those who hear the word of God should be noticeable to others. Those who live by the word of God should be noticed by others. From Dan to Beersheba, Samuel was known as God's spokesman. He was attested as a prophet of the Lord. He now had moved from representing the people to God to representing God to the people. Those who welcome the voice of God will hear from him regularly. There. It says God revealed himself to Samuel but don't miss this through his word how can you nurture your relationship with the true and living God right here in his word open Bibles we can only know God specifically through what he tells us in his word and we are shaped information to formation In our lives so what do you need to do let me ask a question this morning as we close this up what do you need to do to hear God's voice now first of all it's possible that you might be here like Samuel was and you don't know the Lord you've never heard his voice but today he's calling you the Word of God is clear Jesus makes a call come and follow me whoever is weary and burdened come to me and i will give you rest so today uh, you might be hearing for the very first time god calling your name Uh, rejoice with us that 20 some odd kids on friday night heard the lord call their name for the first time and responded to him There's no greater gift. There's no greater voice to hear than the voice of God calling you. He may be calling you this morning to come and follow him. Or maybe he's been in competition with other things in your life, other affections. You haven't given much time or attention to God. You haven't been spending much time with him in prayer. You haven't been spending much time with him in the word of God. Our relationship with God hinges on our time in prayer and our time in God's Word. It's not good enough just to come Sunday once a week. That's important. But your relationship with God is every day, is every minute. You need to hear His voice all the time. You need to be developing a relationship with God and have been shaped by His heart. So are you setting aside time and place and space that's non-negotiable? Priority is God, you and your relationship with the living God. That's the question this morning. Father, I pray and I ask and thank you i thank you for a living relationship with you what a gift i thank you that you make yourself real to us that you're faithful that you are prayer answering god that we are shaped in our relationship in prayer in time with you hearing your voice hanging out with you oh god may we not shortchange that in our lives or we will stop looking like you we will stop thinking like you we will stop having a heart like yours so Lord restart us if we need that restart us that our heart might be shaped like yours oh God I pray and Lord if there's anybody here this morning who has never even started on the journey never heard the call today Lord if they hear your voice may they not harden their heart but respond, here I am, Lord. I want to be your servant. I want to be in your family. To as many as received him, to as many as believed in his name, he gave the right to be called the children of God. So, Lord, thank you for your offer of family. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As Jesus completed his walkabout in the churches in the book of Revelation as he finished with the seventh church he spoke this in Revelation chapter 3 verse 19 and following those whom I love I rebuke and discipline so be earnest and repent and then he says this here I am I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Now, we often use that text as an initial call of the Lord on a person's heart, but in context, Jesus is talking to the churches. In those days, and now jesus is saying in these days i stand at the door and knock there's a high possibility that we have stopped praying much or stopped listening to god's voice in his word we've allowed other affections other things to get us distracted or to become busy and Jesus is basically now in terms of relationships standing on the outside, knocking, asking, hey, what about me? Do you remember me? Hey, we used to have a relationship. We used to have something vital going on. I used to be shaping your heart into my heart. If you'll, if you'll invite me back in through prayer and reading of my word, uh, I'll, 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 I'll eat with you. I'll dine with you. We'll, we'll hang out together again. I, I put that out to you, it's, there's an urgency, it, you know, when I look at our culture, our culture is an ultrasound of what's wrong with the church. This is a call to the church. This was a call of Jesus to the church. I had to make a change in my own life. I had been trying to do my devotions in my iPad in the morning, my, my tablet, because I have a Bible program and I could look things up. but. I started to get tempted to look at the weather, to look at sports uh, results of the night before, uh, to look at Facebook, and start getting engrossed in things that that was not my, that was not my intention. So I, I, I've stopped. I, I don't do my time with, special time with God in my tablet. I've got a Bible out now again, because I can't check Facebook. I can't get any scores. I don't know what the weather is, but I am again reacquainting myself with a vital and powerful relationship with God. That's what matters, beloved. If my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then they will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Our land isn't getting healed until we, his people, get back into relationship with him. Would you, would you join me in upping that? Come on, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yes, and Saturday, and then come here Sunday. You can't come here once a month. Come here every Sunday. You have a two week off vacation, that's it. You come here every Sunday. And you're in your word in the Word of God every day and you're in prayer every day because the relationship with God is everything Everything it's a gift Don't squander it. Don't ruin it. It's a great gift Listen our pastors will be here at the front if if you want prayer or you want to talk about a call of God in your life or if if you don't even know the Lord Jesus Christ, but you'd like to know him then you come and talk to us. We'll be right here at the front. Our Father and our God, thank you. Thank you for assembling us today. Thank you for talking to us. Lord, what a rich privilege. What a gift that you, the living God, would talk to us today from your word. Oh, wow. Thank you. Now, Lord, um, would you please continue to do your work by your Holy Spirit in the lives and the hearts of everyone who's here, I pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.